Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in command here. Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. Well, hello and welcome to another exciting post-pounding edition of SFP Now. Um, and this is our last uh, last show before we do the uh, Christmas show, um, which will be next week, and the uh, year in review show, which will be um, w- which will probably go out December twenty seventh. Um, anyway, the guest on this week's show is um, is Deroda Skrypak, sorry, um, who is the producer of um, a new film that has, that has just come out on DVD, actually. It's called At The House of Bad, um, and it's about uh, three women who run away to a cabin with a suitcase filled with drugs. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a psychological horror film. It's out now on DVD. I highly recommend it. And we'll be talking to uh, Dorota Skrapek, one of the uh, executive producers of the movie. And um, and she's also a writer in her own right as well. We're talking to her later on. But in the meantime, joining me to go through some news and some general discussion um, on science fiction is my good friend, Pat Hayes. And now, last week in news. How are you doing, Pat? Pretty good. How are you doing? I, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Well, um, let's go through some news. Um, do you, you want to go through some news first, or do you want to do some TV talk first? Um, I can do some TV talk. I've got some news that um just came out fairly recently. Well, let's go for news first, and then go for a TV TV talk okay. sort of thing. We'll be a bit methodical. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Doke. Okay. Well, I'll let you hit the first bit of news. Okay. Um, something that's just come out today, evidently. Um, following in the wake of the success of Grimm and the somewhat success of the new Dracula TV series, NBC is digging the monster well and going for yet another monster TV series to put up on their Friday night Supernatural block. Cool. Looks like they're going to make or try to give a shot of um, bringing the Wolfman to a TV series. Mm, And it looks like they're going to follow, and this has got me kind of interested, they're going to follow the uh, plot line of the 2010 uh, Benicio Del Toro, Anthony Hopkins film that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, I've got it on DVD somewhere. I've not had a chance to watch it. Is it any good? It's not bad. It's got some really terrific moments and other moments that you kind of groan. Um, but I was impressed with the effects and I was impressed with the setting. It's very much uh, much more turn of the century than uh, 
the classic 1940s Universal movie monster werewolf movie. So I'm kind of interested in this. Plus, it's um, produced and um, looks like it's going to be written by Dracula's head writer and producer, Daniel uh, Knopf, if I'm saying that correctly. So I'm kind of interested in seeing if that comes to fruition. I can't believe they're... They're digging for more monsters there at NBC Universal. Well, it's just funny when you said the Wolfman. I, I kind of, and initially you probably heard in my voice, I was a bit skeptical. But now I kind of think about it. If I was to do a Wolfman in the present day, the way I do it is I do it like the old Incredible Hulk series, have them traveling from town to town. Yeah, they know? um they had a TV series um, when the Fox Network first formed that starred um, Chuck Connors on it as the bad guy. And it was called um, Werewolf, and it was about a kid struggling around town to town for about a half an hour, and you could guarantee that he'd always turn into a werewolf at the end of the series, and it lasted about two seasons. Yeah, I remember a TV series came out in the late 80s, early 90s. I think it was early 90s. Um, they, they, they aired it on Sky One. Um, and this was back when we 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 really only started getting cable and satellite TV here in the in in the UK back then. And this was one of the first things that they had. Um, it was a new series. It was sort of like something that was new at the time. Uh, she Wolf of London. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was a great series. And I remember watching and thinking, you know, this is a cool series, and she's pretty hot for a werewolf. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a. Um, it only ran a season. Right. I think. But I remember, I remember seeing that on on Sky One, and so you know, you know, the, the wolf, you know, werewolf idea, it's always got possibilities, even modern day. But you know, for some reason, it's never really taken to well on TV. Yeah, I was kind of surprised because um, MTV had a uh, non-comedic version of Teen Wolf on for two seasons, mm. and and it got a lot of press. I watched one and then turned the channel. Yeah, but... I, I I I braved it through about two. Uh, it's just a little bit too tween teenager for me, to be honest. Yeah, but if they make this more adult along the lines of Grimm and uh, Dracula, I'm all for it. I'd definitely be willing to give that a shot. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um, I've got um, I've got another bit of TV news here. Um, apparently, the wine the, the the Weinstein Company or is it Weinstein Company? Um, has plans for um, a Sin City television show. I saw that too. That was in the New York Times. Yeah, you know, so like I'm thinking, hmm, now, if they were to do a Sin City television show, um, it'd have to be on cable. Yes. <laughs> you know, because I don't think they'd get away with half that shit on a... On, on, on mainstream network television. No, and not even on, I don't even know if it would go for basic cable. I'm thinking it's going to have to go for a premium channel. Yeah, it'd have to be AMC or um, HBO or something like that. Yeah, or, or Showtime or Cinemax, one of those um, would... would It'd be great, mm-hmm. and they've got a cast. Just they've got a cast Jessica Alba in it. <laughs> <laughs> what else is she doing? Nothing. Absolutely, she's doing sod all. She's she's lazing about getting a tan. Um, so I need to get her in this TV series. Yeah, and they've certainly got enough material. I mean, I know there's a new Sin City movie coming out next year, but Frank Miller did a lot of short stories, and they could go off in any direction. I mean, copying something that he's already done or making up their own stuff. There's plenty of possibilities with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure Robert Rodriguez, who directed the first one and the second one, I'm sure he'd be involved as um, a producer, at least. I don't know if he'd have time to direct it himself, but I would love to see him involved. Um, I think Robert Rodriguez would have a bit of a problem producing and directing it if he had to do it outside of Texas. Yeah, well, I don't know. He's pretty video savvy. I mean, he does. I mean, when he does a movie... 
he not only produces it, writes it, directs it, um, he does the special effects himself, he even does the soundtrack, he does all the music himself. Mm -hmm. But I think I think if he found if you found the right combination of people, he might get on board as a producer. Okay, well, you know, that you know, I'm I'm quite I'm quite looking forward to that as well because I kinda like the stylized um, visuals of, of the uh, Sin City movie. And plus, it's got Jessica Alba in it. I can watch her do do that strip scene all day. <laughs> <laughs> Although she, you know, you didn't actually see anything, but it was just a massive tease. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, um, another another little bit of news, um, and this, um, this 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 is you know this is going to be old news by the time we get to weekend. But um, last weekend was Thanksgiving for you guys, where you stuffed yourselves with lots of turkey and then went out to the movies apparently because the uh, second Hunger Games movie, Catching Fire, um, apparently really really caught fire at the US box office um, over o- o- over the over the Thanksgiving weekend, and it's actually had the biggest opening in the US box office for um thanksgiving weekend uh beating harry potter yeah and that's kind of sacrilege i would have thought harry potter would have stayed up there for a while but that hunger game stuff just knocked it out yeah you know so it, it did and you know i've got to admit i've seen the first hunger games and i quite enjoyed it um and i was quite surprised that i enjoyed it because it's it's aimed squarely at the twilight audience yeah it's it's not as it doesn't lean as heavy on the romance as the twilight did but it's it's the same crowd mm-hmm. but you know I, I i rather enjoyed it and my my niece rather enjoyed it and she's 11 so yeah and and that that's probably the only science fiction thing that she's ever likely to enjoy <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, um, the rest of the time she's watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians and oh jeez yeah I know it's, it's terrible my uh, my fifteen year old daughter saw the movie at a midnight show and I played the diligent father and waited up for her to come back and she came back just so completely wound up she went out and saw it again the next day so she's already seen it twice and convinced my eleven year old daughter to go see it with her friend. So my 11-year-old has seen it, and they're both completely enthralled in The Hunger Games and Catching Fire right now, and are just enamored with it completely. My oldest daughter said she wanted a bow and arrow for Christmas, and I said, you'll shoot your sister, so no. Mm. Well, you know, she gets out of hand, just warned that, um, you know, your friend in the UK actually shoots a bow and arrow and yeah. doesn't miss. Um, <laughs> although I haven't shot for a while. I used, to, I used to do quite a bit of archery, and I was pretty good. That was pretty I, useful. I bet we're going to be seeing a lot of young girls all of a sudden become really interested in the sport of archery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so like, uh, when you get a chance, uh, get your daughter to look up the difference between a compa- compound bow and a recurve. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you this, she's going to want to shoot with a compound bow because it's much easier than a recurve. <laughs> right, right. I've seen a compound bow. I know exactly what that is. Yeah, it's much, much easier to shoot a compound than a recurve. Um, I shot over a curve because I'm difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another story last week, and, you know, this this came out last week, and I thought it was kind of comic-centric. Alan Moore has been at it again, and he's accused comic book fans um, in his latest rant against DC and Marvel. He's accused comic book fans of being emotionally subnormal. Yep. <laughs> and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I had a lot of friends email that email me that, and I read it about I think the day it broke. Um, it's Alan Moore. I, I take him with a grain of salt. He's um, a fantastic writer. I completely acknowledge that. 
Um, and I, I think if you look at his entire statement in context, he's basically saying that comics have gotten into a place where they they've gone beyond their original intent, which was to make uh, provide role models or guides for young boys. And essentially, it's gotten to the point where it's now gone to adult storytelling. And I don't think he's thrilled with that. And, and I can understand why. And it's kind of like the pot calling the kettle black, because let's face it, Watchmen and um, Frank Miller's Dark Knight are the two big works that really really changed um, American comic books. Were written by him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Made him a lot, made him a lot darker, a lot more serious. So I think Alan's just, Alan's being Alan. I mean, whatever he writes, I'll definitely check it out. I know he's working on a movie. Um, I know he's not happy with any of the movies that has ever been made of any of his stories. And I can't blame him, but it's Alan. I take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah. I just thought I'd get your thoughts on that with being a, being a comic book fan because he's so like uh, I read it and I thought, mm, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm such an old comic book fan. I remember when Alan Moore first appeared at the San Diego Comic Con when he was uh, writing uh, Swamp Thing for DC in the 80s. And he had a couple people milling around him, but nothing huge. But by the time Watchmen came out, he, I think when Watchmen came out and hit so big, I think he was pretty much done with comics at that point. Mm, yeah, it, it, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I mean, you know, from from what I've heard about him, he's very much a loner and he never really leaves his, his hometown. Right. Um, anymore. So, but, you know, sort of like uh, Watchmen, um, great, great comic book. Uh, but my, my favourites, um, my, my favourites, you know, got to be V for Vendetta. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, I also like the one, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but the one that dealt with Jack the Ripper oh, from Hell. Gee. Oh, um, 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 From Hell. Yeah, From Hell. From Hell, that's, a, that's an amazing story as well. It's a massive, it's a massive trade. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible movie, but that's a great, great story. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, moving on to some TV talk. Um, we've got to move on to a little bit of TV talk because we've not done a we've not done a show in about a week because we broke it off Thanksgiving and we'll be breaking off again after the thirteenth for Christmas. Um, but Doctor Who, the Day of the Doctor aired, and I'm just wondering um, if a you've seen it and b did you like it? Um, oh yes, I saw it live with the rest of the world when BBC aired that worldwide. I was right there at 11 a.m. in front of my TV. But you absolutely freaking hated it. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I, <laughs> I liked it. Um, I just, it was, for me, it didn't seem like a 50th anniversary episode and seemed more like a really good Doctor Who episode. For me, an anniversary episode would have had, I hate to be Colin Baker here, but it would have had all the living doctors in it, not just, spoiler, Tom Baker at the end of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, but by, by the same token, uh, to quote, quote Stephen Moffat, it would have been, you know, pretty damn difficult to do that, uh, given that um, all, the, all, the, um, all the surviving Doctors, with the exception perhaps of Paul McGann, uh, Christopher Eccleston, and David Tennant and Matt Smith, are looking their age. Yeah, but I mean, there's ways around it. You had Tom Baker at the end of this episode, and he was looking his normal age so there's ways there's always ways around it there is but you know the, the, the you know you could also argue there that tom baker was not playing the uh, fourth doctor there he was playing the museum curator no i don't buy it for a second <laughs> <laughs> how dare you say that that was my doctor <laughs> that, that was my doctor as well but you know 
it, it was kind of it was kind of like Neff very open and and, and very ambiguously so, which is right. what I kind of liked about that. Yeah, I did uh, too. And it had my favorite line of the entire episode was the doctor knows. The doctor's nose. Yeah, and it touch and, and just to emphasize, he touches his nose as well. Yeah. Um I, I loved it. And I thought the story was really, really clever. I especially liked um how um the art was put into the storyline. Very, very clever and a gorgeous special effect. Yeah. And and the way that, you know, the the the, the uh the paintings had broken outwards. Um, I thought I was really clever um, yes. the way they did that. But um, the the one criticism that I have, and um, you know, other than the uh, doctor's thing, which I kind of agree with you, but with, but also on on the logistical side, I can see where I can see both sides of the argument. Um, but the the one one thing that I'm I'm kind of um, a middle um, critical of is the um, the Zygons. It was great to see them back, but at the same time. I, I felt that the uh, that, that that they kind of they, they went a little bit too long with the Zygons before wrapping up the actual storyline in into right. the time war. And you know, I think it would have been nice to have had a little bit more on the time war in there as opposed to so much time with the Zygons. And um, I'm kind of hoping to bring the Zygons back for a full on episode in the future as well. Yes, I'd love to see that. I was so pleased that they didn't over redesign them at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was that, real weary. That that that's cool because they actually look like Zygons, unlike the Sangorians. That you know they kind of like they look pretty cool. The new versions of the Sangorians, but they kind of went too far away from the classic. Yeah, and it, it breaks my heart every time I see a new Siler. Mm-hmm. Did you also check out um, an adventure in space and time? I have it saved on my DVR and have not watched it yet. I need to set up some time to watch it. It looks gorgeous. Whenever I see that actor who's playing um, the first Doctor, just floors me every single time. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna make you both laugh and cry at the same time. It's really, oh, really good. Good. It's really, really good. Um, so, what'd you think? What'd you think of the movie? The Adventure in Space and Time. Yeah. I, I thought it was really, really good. I've watched it twice. Um, I really enjoyed it the first time, and I watched it again a couple of couple of nights ago. And it's really, really good. It's um, the the performance from David Bradley as William Hartnell. Um, as you see see his see him go from you know cranky cranky I'm an actor I'm a professional sort of thing with all the egotistical stuff that goes um, in hand with that. And his and his rap and his song like small deterioration as it's played out in the film. He, he does a wonderful job of it, and it's oh. it's written really really sensitively. But you know they, the 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 way the way he's described is described as really really difficult to work with. Right. Um, which basically ties in with a lot of, with a lot of the stories you've hit you you probably hear at conventions and stuff. But, oh yeah, um, yeah. The the one thing though was that you know it was um the 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 actual drama it was mostly about Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, and William Hartnell and and Waris Hussein. Those were the four key 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 um key key roles in the drama. Um, Ian and Barbara, you know the guy the, the actors that played Ian and Barbara right. in, in it, um, they didn't really have that much to do. Right. Um. So you know if if you if you watching it expecting to see 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 a bit more of them, you know they they they've got a few they've got a few scenes, but. They're they sort of more on the periphery, right? Um, but it's it's um, it's a really good um, it's a really good film. I'd I'd love to see I'd love to see you know Gatiss get 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 the go ahead to do 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 a sequel. 
charting Patrick Troughton's time as the Doctor. Oh yeah, and then moving on to Pertwee's. <laughs> you know. That'd be oh great. yeah. You know, and that's what I that's what I like to see because you know because if you think about it. Um, although their those particular stories are probably not quite as poignant as William Hartner one, they 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 they'd actually chart the changes in television and the changes in attitudes. Yeah. Over the decades as well, because Doctor Who's song like spanned such a long time. But it'd be really interesting once we got to the one about Colin Baker's reign as a Doctor. <laughs> that I want to see. I'm just wondering who they get to play Michael Grade. <laughs> Oh jeez! I would love to see uh, what is it, uh, John Nathan Turner, to see what he's like. Mm, they they probably uh, they probably find um, you know some some sort of like Daniel um, curling hair and stick him in a wine shirts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was really good. Um, and um, a show that you've been talking about quite a lot. You've done a few reviews. Um, well, you've done you've reviewed every single episode. Is Sleepy Hollow? Oh yeah, and I'm really enjoying that show. That's a terrific show. Um, and you know, so like, um, and, you know, I've got been been fortunate enough to get to uh, speak to uh, oh, John Noble a few weeks ago. Um, right. in a phone conference about his part in the uh, episode of Sin Eater. And um, right. that was a really good episode. Yeah, that was fantastic. I mean, the last couple episodes have been really good, and that Sin Eater one was terrific. Mm. Well, they're bringing up the ante on it. Uh, I mean, so, like, they, they, they thought they trapped the horseman last week, and apparently they hadn't. And, and the last one that I seen was the one where, you know, that woman goes to the to the house, and it turns out that... Um, She's somehow connected to the uh, to the police woman that uh, Ichabod Crane's working with. Um, is it Abby? Yes. Yeah, she's somehow connected with Abby, and it turns out that one of Abby's relatives worked in that house. Yeah, that was great. Pretty cool. Um, and you know, I can't wait to see the uh, the finale. Is that on tonight or the um, rest of it? Nope, they've got a they've got a break this week. No new episode tonight. Mm. Oh damn! Don't, but don't there's me. a new one next week, and they've shown John Noble in the preview for that, so he comes back. Something evidently there's some more sin that requires eating next week. It's the last one that next week, though, isn't it? For the first season, it's only ten episodes. Um, yeah, that's the way it's. American TV seems to be copying the uh, UK style of broadcasting now. We do about 10 episodes, take a break for 10, two weeks, or I mean, sorry, two months, and then we come back for a final 10 or more, so. I think it, I think it's probably a good thing because, um, you know, I remember, you know, when I, when I watched a lot of, uh, I've watched a lot of American TV over the years, and you get, you get, re- you, you maybe get, out of, an, out of a season, about 26 episodes, you probably get about 10 good ones. Right. And 10 that are sort of meh, and then, you know, six really crap ones. <laughs> so it, it, probably, it probably works to the advantage um, of American television. Um, and another show that started up, and you've also reviewed this one, is Almost Human. Oh, yeah. And, I cannot believe how much I'm that enjoying show. that show. Yeah, how's it doing in the ratings? Is it doing any good? Because I hear the story it's... that it was tanking a little bit yeah it's it's doing okay it's not killing in the ratings but it's getting quite a bit of press and following it comes in as the lead into sleepy hollow so it's a nice two-hour block mm, yeah because and, I, I, i've seen the first uh three episodes of it really enjoyed it i think the i think the guy playing the uh playing, playing the android yeah is, is really good and i just love the fact that this android's actually got so like actually replicating human emotions and, and stuff yeah and, and i love the the technology on the show it's just 
There's some special effects, but they're not in-your-face special effects. They actually contribute to the storyline. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Carl Urban, Urban is just amazing. Yeah, he's, he's brilliant. Um, the, I think it was the uh, I think it was a second episode called Skin, um, yeah. where the uh, where they had that conversation in the car, and um, you know, Carl Urban's you know character is quite uptight, and uh, the android says, "Well, you know why you're really uptight, don't you?" Says so you're kind of backed up there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, and the look on Carl Urban's face. What did you say to me? <laughs> oh dear me. But you just saw like the uh, the banter in the car. You know, they they even had a, had another good good one last week where, you know, Carl Urban revealed that his middle name is Reginald. Oh yes. <laughs> and the guy's singing out in John to him in, in the car. Yes. Oh, <laughs> You know, so like it's it's got a nice balance of of, of action drama and comedy. It's um, you know it's not taking itself too seriously, which I like. Right, and it's it's the first science fiction type television show my wife wants to watch with me since um, Babylon Five or Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. She's never really cared for anything science fictiony since then, but now she's like, oh, I'll watch that with you every night, every time it's on. So I'm like, hey, this is a nice change. I mean, it's probably because she's got, she's got a bit of a crush on Carl Urban, maybe. That's what I'm thinking. i got to keep yeah. that guy away from my wife. You know, if you think about it, you know, uh, Babylon 5, uh, Grease Box Night, and a John J. Sheridan. Yeah. And the women were all, always into him from his days in Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, well, you know, you know who who was a fancy man in Star Trek DS Nine? Because I can't really see Cisco being a be, being the go-to guy there. No, I think she had a little thing for uh, Gul Dukat, the uh, Cardassian bad guy. Ah, Mark, yeah, it's the way he, it's the way he walks. <laughs> it's the way that it's the way that he walks because he's sort of like he kind of slinks around there, doesn't he? And uh, that's right. I think, I think a lot of the women found that quite hot. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you're telling me I got to apply bumps to the side of my neck now, Ian. <laughs> no, you just got to learn to walk like go to cat, and, you know. Walk like a Cardassian. Walk, walk like Cardassian. That's what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that that's the secret to a really great Christmas. <laughs> oh jeez, there's a lot of mental pictures I'm having that I don't want to be having right now. <laughs> wow. Um. So what, what else have you been watching? Um, let's see. I've been watching, oh, uh, Walking Dead. Mm, I don't watch that. Wow. That was, uh, that was a great, last night was the uh, mid-season finale and it was great. Uh, let's see. Walking Dead, Almost Human. Oh, I watch, uh, Marvel Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm watching that still. Yeah, I'm hanging in there. Um, I thought the episode, uh, the, the, the kind of episode that tied into Far Dark World was pretty good. That was a good episode. I'm hoping they do more stuff like that where they have a little more of a tie-in. Mm. Um, but the uh, one actor was kind of a name. Yeah. He's, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm liking the characters. Um, I even like the, uh, the irritating Scottish and English characters in it. Fitz um, and Simmons. Oh, Simmons is one of the most attractive women I've ever seen on TV. That actress. I can't. I, can't, I don't have her last her name in front of me. But wow, she could be. She could just stand there for the hour, and I'll watch it. Mm, I, I kind of like the. I kind of like the computer hacker woman. To be honest, she's she's more my thing. <laughs> Sky. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, because she, you know, Simmons, she's kind of like a goody two shoes, and that's not my my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hear that they're they're planning on having Captain America make an appearance soon. 
Yeah, I mean, so we reported on that, you know, a number of weeks back uh, that they were talking about doing a tie-in to the uh, Captain America um, sequel film. What's it called now? Um, First Avenger? Uh, the sequel is Captain America um, b- 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 Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's the one. They were talking about doing a, um, a Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tie-in to it. Um, right. But they said that Captain America wouldn't necessarily be in it. And just um, I'm betting we have. I'm, we're going to have something. We just have to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I think that you know they've been teasing us with this stuff. I think they may as well just do it. You know, ha- have Chris Evans show up as Captain America. You know, even if it's just for one scene. Right. Just walk through the set and have Agent Coulson drool over him when he walks by. Yeah, you know. So, I, um, or, or ha- did did he ever get his uh, Captain America baseball sign from the first movie? No, he didn't. And he could also ask for a Captain America trading cards since those were taken from him after he died. Yeah, that that, that that's one. He, you know, he, he he goes up to the captain and asks for his cards back. Yeah, but that'd boom, be great. Done. <laughs> <laughs> And then, then they get on with um with, with the with with the episode um that ties in somehow um but yeah I'm sort of like um I, I'm hanging in there on Agents of Shield um but as far as the storylines go it's not not the strongest yeah it's it's appealing to to young children which I can understand why they're doing it they want to keep this property safe but um it's it's alienating the older audience big time mm-hmm. yeah um I watched the I watched the first few episodes of Dracula. What do you think of that? I kind of, I kind of got bored with it. <laughs> it is slow. It's very slow. You know, I, I, I probably watched the first three episodes, and uh, I kind of thought, well, there's some good stuff happening here, but where, you know, why is it going at such a bloody crawl? Yeah, yeah, they need, they need to pick it up. I agree with that. And, um, and because it, because it's so slow, I just thought, I just don't have time to do this. I'll just get the box set and watch it all at once <laughs> when it comes out, because it's so like it's. You know, what sitting through an episode and then having to wait on a whole week to see the other one as well. It's actually being on tonight. So, um, you know, they, 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 they air it on a Monday night here in the UK. Right, right. And it's on, like it usually airs a couple of days. You know, I think it's airs, a, airs on Friday over there in the States, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a couple of days after here in the UK. And uh, they do, do the same on Arrow. Really enjoying Arrow. Yeah, Arrow. I'm going to, I started to watch Arrow and then I stopped. And now that they're bringing in all my favorite superheroes, I'm going to have to watch because I guess The Flash is coming in soon. Yeah, The Flash is coming in soon. Um, it's It's been intriguing, um, all, all this uh, stuff with Moira Queen. Oh, yeah. The trial and that, and um, the Black Arrow returned in the last episode. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to track all those down off of Netflix or something. <laughs> Play well, catch up. It's uh, it's doing really good. Um, anyway, um, I think it's probably time we move on to the interview, um, which is um, with Deroda uh, um who's going to be talking about uh, House of Bad, which is a brand new psychological horror film. It's out on DVD now. So um, I think you guys should really check it out. And uh, Patrick, thanks for joining us on this. Thank you as always. I swore I'd never get stuck down here again. They'll pay for this. Both of them. We stick to the plan. We lay low for two weeks. We don't go outside and show our faces until they stop looking for us. (laughs) 
be weird for you guys, huh? Back in this house. Weird is one word for it. Okay, I'd like to welcome to the show, um, wonderful Deroda Scrayback, who who is the uh, producer of a new up and coming horror film uh, called House of Bad. First of all, uh, Deroda, I'd, I'd just love to ask ask you this question, and I ask this to everyone who's either in in producing or writing or, or whatever. Uh, but how did you actually get into it? I've done a bit of reading about you, and. Um, it's it kind of comes across but you didn't get into writing or producing via the uh, conventional route no um i didn't um i got into writing um because there was an artist in montreal that had painted this uh incredible painting that i ended up buying and i was kind of you know, motivated and inspired to write a story and then he and i just ended up collaborating you know creating this first book. So that's kind of how I got into writing. And after, you know, doing that project, I just, I didn't really want to turn my back on it because I had, you know, such a great experience. Um, and producing, it was kind of the same thing. It was, you know, kind of random. Um, you know, my, my husband, who's also a producer on this film, um, he brought the project to me. Uh, we were doing, you know, one of our regular jogs in the park, and he said, um, you know, do you want to, you know, kind of come on board and, you know, finance this thing and and see, you know, if we can, you know, make it work. And uh, and I said, sure. So yeah, both, you know, <laughs> so definitely not conventional or traditional, um, but but now somehow I'm in the mix. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this is sort of thing that I-, I-, I actually love about talking to a lot of writers and producers that, you know, because you, you actually came into it, you used to work uh, work, work on, on, on aeroplanes, right? Yeah, I'm a pilot um, and I've done a lot of airport design work over the years. That's sort of my, uh, that's my main career. Um, I've been involved in aviation since, oh geez, well, for a long time, like, like 96, 97, um, yeah, and 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 actually, I mean, I still keep it going a little bit, you know, because I still I still get projects thrown my way. Um, in fact, that's what I I've been working on this morning. <laughs> um, so it's a bit of a juggling act. I, I bet it is. I mean, so I was kind of like juggling what you know. Initially, it would have been two careers doing that and writing, and now three careers because you're producing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it, I do hope that I get a chance to uh, produce again. I mean, there are a few things that are sort of in the works, although you never know in this industry how it's all going to play out. I mean, projects take you know many years to develop, which was which was actually really surprising about how so bad how quickly it all came together. I mean, literally. Um, you know, my husband and I talked about it one day, and like you know, two three weeks later, you know, we were shooting the movie. Um, that was pretty incredible because you know now talking to a few people about you know different projects, it just seems like the process takes years, years and years and years before it ever even gets off the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've heard that about a lot of projects as well. Um... It's funny. It's kind of really funny that we're we're actually that that I was actually approached to talk to you about House of Bad because uh, 
this kind of comes three weeks after, three, four weeks after me having uh, interviewed actually one of your stars, um, Sadie Katz. Um, yeah, we, I, I did an interview with her about um, another film she's in. Um, I think it was called uh, Chavez, um, The Cage, Cage of something, uh, Chavez, Cage, oh, Cage yeah. of Glory. Yeah, Cage of Glory. And, yes. Um, yes. We, we were talking about that, and she, she mentioned how so bad in that because she said that her background um, from, from an acting point of view is, is mostly, most, mostly in horror. Uh huh. Um, so you know, when 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 she mentioned that, it kind of caught my interest because um, you know because the whole notion of um, of three 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 song like uh, young young women um, three sisters um, you know go into a house where they think they're going to be safe with a stolen suitcase of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um, it's 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 kind of it's kind of not your typical uh, horror setup. I mean, usually with a with with a horror setup, it's usually a um, you know, amorous horny teenagers. You're right. Um, and it's kind of funny, like, when I started reading the script and, you know, talking, you know, me and my husband started talking about this whole thing, I, I did, it was not a typical horror movie. Um, and, and actually, I thought that was a good thing. Um, I'm, you know, I don't watch a lot of typical horror movies, and I really like the fact that this script had, you know, the dramatic elements, the thriller elements, even, you know, the heist elements um, that it had. Um, that's what really got, you know, piqued my interest. But interestingly enough, I was in the car about a week ago listening to NPR, National Public Radio, um, and there was a there was a girl that was talking about, you know, all the different horror genres that are out there. And she said, you know, a lot of people have this misconception that horror is basically just slasher. You know, slasher, blood, guts, you know, you know, gruesome stuff. But really she said, you know, horror spans a lot of different genres and it's really this, you know, element of feeling uncomfortable about something, right? Like if you're watching a movie and it makes you feel uncomfortable or kind of unsettled, that in itself is horrific. You know, that in itself is horror. So after I listened to this interview on NPR, I kind of thought, you know, House of Bad definitely falls into that category because even though it's not this typical slasher, blood, guts, gore kind of a movie, when you watch it, you feel unsettled. You know, you feel like you de it, your mind definitely starts to wander, you know, into these areas of like, wow, like what would it be like to, you know, be in this situation that these three sisters were in where they're kind of trying to start a new life, you know, yet they're being held back by a lot of awful memories and, you know, suddenly there's ghosts that are haunting them. I mean, it's it's very unsettling and, you know, I guess that's what makes it still a horror film. <laughs> yeah, um, from, from, I actually watched uh, the film yesterday and uh, really enjoyed it, you know, it has to be said. Um, and I, I was kind of unsettled by it. Um, I was kind of a little bit unsettled by the fact that um, all three of the sisters uh, are, are kind of coming out of 
you know, a lot of bad experiences um, with, with with men, mm-hmm. and you know that, that you know they, they, their anger when they're talking about you know the, these various you know it's more subtext than it is actually the matching going into details, but that their anger towards towards men in general after their bad experience, I found that I found that kind of unsettling. But I, I you know I think anyone would find that sort sort of unsettling, uh, even yeah. if the shoe was on the other foot. Um, but what, what I found interesting is one of them was also trying to kick a drug habit and you have them in there with a suitcase full of drugs. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I just kind of found that kind of ironic in a sense that you got one. Well, one. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and, and that in itself is kind of unsettling and, and eerie. I mean, you know, drug addiction is an awful thing and, you know, now you've got this girl that you know, it's like dangling carrot, you know, in front of a rabbit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and for a time, you could actually, you know, for 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 a brief for the briefest of moments, I, I kind of thought that them them seeing these ghosts was them hallucinating because they'd kind of like been dipping into the uh, drugs case. Yeah, and I, you know, I haven't talked to Jim, our director, about that, and I wonder if it was intentional because I remember, you know, watching the first few rough cuts of the movie, you know, a couple years ago now, and um, and feeling the same way. You know, is she hallucinating? Is she really being haunted? It was sort of, you know, it was, it was kind of unclear, but I liked that it was unclear, you know, because, again, it sort of made you think, like, what is really happening in this house? Like, are they actually being haunted or, you know, hallucinating, or is there something else even going on? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that there, there, there is a lot going on. I mean, the, the, the sequence... Um did the sequence where one one of the boyfriends come comes back for them right uh, which which uh, was quite quite grisly and you know the one thing uh, and you gotta forgive me for this but this is just my uh kind of sick twisted mind uh working i mean she shot him in the head why why, why did she not just shoot him in the groin Good question. You know, I wonder if on the day, <clears throat> because I was not on set a lot, um, I was working on a different project at the time, but, you know, I wonder if on the day, you know, it had to do something with the practical effects that they were, you know, that they were dealing with. Um, oh, but wait a minute. Hold on a second. She did, she does shoot him in the groin initially, remember, because mm-hmm. when she grabs the gun, right? She pulls the trigger and it goes off in his groin, and then she shoots him in the head after he falls back. So it's oh. kind of so it's kind of a double. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a double whammy. I mean, I think um, yeah. I think one of them one of one of the women manages to get herself free, and she stabs him in the uh, in in the thigh or something, which kind of right gets his stabs him in the calf, and that kind of throws him off guard. And then the the eldest sister um, grabs the gun that happens to be right you know in his pants. He's holding it. He's carrying it around in his pants, and uh, just pulls the trigger. So, anyways, going back to your original question, why didn't she just shoot him in the groin? <laughs> I guess she did shoot him in the groin and in the head. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I think I think if I'd been filming that, I would have had to shoot him in the groin multiple times because you know the guy that guy, guy was a. 
<laughs> all that, all that seething uh, anger towards men. <laughs> exactly, you know. Um, or, or may, maybe I would have sung like uh, had had a had a song like uh, shoot shoot around the ground near, near him for a little while and make him do a dance. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, something a little bit more torturous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm just um, kind of evil that way, uh, anyway. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, I'm sure that you know, I'm sure that if there had been more time to shoot the movie, um, and I mentioned this actually in an interview that I just did uh, recently for I think it's Horror Talk. Um, but, you know, I, there was a, you know, time was a big constraint. And I think if that, if, I think if we had had more time, we would have been able to do, you know, more with the script and even some of the things that you're talking about, you know, maybe even drag out that scene even further and make it, you know, a little bit, you know, more gory or a little bit more um, intense. But again, I think that when you are dealing with such a, I mean, they shot this movie initially in eight days. So when you're dealing with such a tight schedule, I think, you know, from what I heard from my husband and Jim and, you know, even the girls that were, you know, the the three main, you know, actors, um, is that it was literally like, okay, we have to do this scene. Are you ready? Go. Okay, we got it. Next scene. I mean, there was really no time to... uh, There was no time to really... Um, I don't know how to say it. Um, I, I guess there was just no time to really explore too much every scene. It was really like, let's get it done as best as we can and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it, it it is a damn good film. I mean, you know, sort of like uh, you you get a, you, as you as you said before, you get a lot of horror films or either slasher movies or the one type of movie or another. Uh, you get films like. Um, you know, a new a new new thing in horror which I find particularly disturbing and don't particularly like is a uh, torture porn. Right. And you know that that's sort of like uh, just grosses me out. Whenever I see one of those movies on the TV, you know, it's only straight over with the uh, remote control. But you know what I liked about House of Bad is it kind of it kind of played on 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 real on real fear. It's sort of like uh, yeah, sure you seen you seen ghosts and you seen flashback sequences and stuff like that. But it kind of played on on the psychology of it. It was you know it was a very yeah. psychological film and and that's that's kind of like the it, there doesn't seem to be a great deal of that uh, that, that 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 that's actually. Uh, out there in in the mainstream of horror these days, I don't think. No, you're right. I think people keep pushing the boundaries, and and when you push the boundaries, you lose something, right? I think there is, I think there's something to be said for subtlety, and there's something to be said for you know letting people's imagination sort of figuring out on their own. Like, do we really have to show everything in such you know gruesome detail? Um, why don't we just imply it and people will be freaked out enough just with the implication that perhaps something like this is going on. So I agree with you. I think, um, you know, I think people are trying to push the boundaries. They're trying to shock, um, you know, audiences. And, and you're right. I think storytelling gets a little lost because, or it can get a little lost because suddenly you're more focused on the effects or again, the shock factor instead of the story and are we really telling a good story that's eerie and unsettling and, you know, will 
will kind of freak people out in their heads versus just showing all this gruesome stuff. Mm. Do you think that um, House of Bad being an independent film um, and not really having the uh, the money that a studio film would have, do you think that that kind of lack of money and that lack of time has actually has actually helped the production in some way, as in it's like put the emphasis more on story as opposed to, oh, we've got the money so we can get all these great effects done sort of thing. Do you think, do you think that may have helped? Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes when I hear about these crazy, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars going into budgets, I really wonder you know, where is that money going and what is it going into? And then and then you go see a movie like, uh, you know, like, I don't know, whatever, pick some action movie, and you kind of go, wow, like, it looked really cool, but where was the story? You know, it was all about the special effects and the CG and the, you know, fight sequences, but there was really no depth to it. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, I think that if you do have to do things, you know, with bare minimums, you are forced to really, you know, look at the story and try to develop that aspect of it in, you know, the best way that you can, as well as the characters. I mean, I think, you know, I think if you can create characters that people care about, that they get engaged in, um, I, you know, you don't need a bunch of special effects. You don't need a bunch of, you know, fancy movie making technology because people care about the characters and they want to know what happens to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how much say did you actually have in, in, in the casting of the uh, of the film? Because uh, the one, one thing, you know, another thing that I really liked is I really liked your characters. I liked how well defined each each one of the three sisters was. They were all, you know, different different people. I think two of them were from the same mother and the other one was from, a, from, from another relationship, right? Right, right. There is, there's one like half sister. The the youngest sister with the heroin addiction, or that's battling the heroin addiction, is a half sister. Well, I, I really like that that the, the way you uh, the way you guys uh, played out their relationships with each other, and um, you know, although they were all so like uh, you know very flawed and coming you know coming from bad experiences and trying to you know make a new life for themselves. They, at the same time, they all seem so like uh, very strong, but in in very different ways. Right. And yeah. I I re- really appreciated you know that because you know you don't really see that in in a lot of um, in a lot of films or TV shows now where they where where where, where you get the uh, you know the different contrasts. I think we got really lucky with the casting. I wasn't really involved with it. <clears throat> Jim brought um, Sadie Katz and Cheryl Sands um, to the project. Um, and they were fabulous. And um, my husband Scott brought um, Heather Tyler um, into it. And and again, you know, we didn't have a lot of time. I mean, we didn't even have time to do a table read to see, you know, if these girls, you know, if their if their dynamic would even work. Um, but you know, when when they got to set and started shooting everything, I mean, it was it was perfect. I mean, these girls really played off you know this the sister relationships I mean I don't I don't know who would have done a better job they really they really just you know they were unique but yet they knew how to really play up that sister dynamic which you know I mean I have a sister I don't know if you have a sister but I mean, I mean there's there's like a really specific you know like 
dynamic when you have a sibling, mm-hmm. and um, and they really pulled it off perfectly. Yeah, I've I've got an older sister. I'm I'm like the youngest. Uh, I've got an older brother who I don't really talk to. Um, don't don't get on with him. But enough said there. Um, <laughs> and um, an older sister um, who's sort of like and, and me and my sister we get on fine. But we you know one of the things we do for fun. You know, if, if we've got family around, we kind of like cast aspersions at each other and try and get each right. other into trouble, you know, just, yeah. just for fun. You know, yeah, and I think, you know, and again, like, I mean, my sister's younger than me, and um, and again, it's like, it's almost like this crazy sort of love-hate relationship, you know, where, I mean, you love them to death, but, you know, they frustrate you in so many ways. I mean, I think that that's, you know, a lot of sibling relationships are like that. Um, you know, very extreme. Um, and and again, like the the three actors, they they just pulled it off so well. Where you could tell there was a genuine love there, but also, you know, there were very you know extreme struggles and you know frustrations um, that are very typical in sibling relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of funny because me and my sister, um, we didn't get on with each other at all when we were children. Uh-huh. As in, not at all. <laughs> and, you know, as adults, it's, it's you know, that, that relationship's kind of evolved to a point where, yeah, sure, we still get very frustrated with each other, but we, we, we can we can actually be in the same space now without without the cause coming out, as it, as it were. Right, you know, right. we 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 we're actually at a point now where we we actually can support each other. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you hope that you know when everybody matures a little bit. <laughs> Although me and my sister still can get into it pretty badly. <laughs> I mean, we're you know for the most part, you know, we've matured past you know sort of those those differences that we had in our younger years. But every now and then, man, we'll just have it out. <laughs> There's no holding back. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, although that could be the Polish factor, you know, because we're very emotional people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, um, I mean, you know, as, as I was saying to you before we started recording, you know, I've, I've got a, a you know, um, grandfather, and, you know, who was Polish, so um, there's a little bit of Polish blood in me, but there's also a bit of Irish blood in me as well. So <laughs> oh, well, that explains everything. <laughs> that's like that's like chucking a Molotov cocktail into a fire. <laughs> <laughs> That explains it all. I, Irish and Polish, you're in trouble. <laughs> yep. Um, you know my, um, my the Irish side of side of the family is actually from Dublin, so. <laughs> I've got a good girlfriend from Dublin, and um, and yeah, she was a little spitfire. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just um, I'm just I'm just so like uh, typically sarcastic, but I I have to bite my tongue a lot to prevent myself from being sarcastic and too hurtful. If you know what I mean. Um, right. That's that's always an ongoing battle. My dad didn't have to worry about that. He just he just he was just sarcastic anyway. He didn't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's um, it's it, it's it's interest it, it's interesting and um, you know. Getting back to the house of bad, um, as I said, I really, I really enjoyed the, uh, the, the, the relationships, the way, the way they were played, as well, because you know it was, it, it, it kind of like it felt real. The, the level of performance that those, 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 uh, those, those, those women gave. Yeah, yeah. We, like I said, we got lucky. They really, they, um, they just, 
they they played that sister dynamic off so well. Well, you um, before you went into before you did did producing, you were you, you did um you have done you did a book card via the fairy and the dentist, which was your your first book. Right, the dentist and the tooth fairy. Mm-hmm. Yes, which was. You know, I, I am from what what I've been able to ascertain, it was a it, it's kind of a, an art book. Yeah, it's a graphic novel. Um, I did it with um, an artist out of Montreal. He's an amazing painter artist. Um, he he works in a few different mediums, but at the time that we did the book, he was mostly painting. And um, yeah, so he basically illustrated. Uh, the entire book. I wrote the story. It was really a short story. Uh, I mean, the the, no- the graphic novel is like 126 pages, but um, it's it's like a short story that's you know spread out over 126 pages of artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm being, um, you know, I'm kind of a comic book fan myself because I I read a lot of the uh, I read a lot of DC, uh, a bit of Marvel. Uh, some uh-huh. stuff from Dynamite and stuff like that. So I I might actually try and check that out at some point because I, I you know there's nothing I love more than you know some fantastic artwork. Yeah, you know it's really interesting. Um, we did that book in 2005, um, and it was available in a few different galleries in the United States as well as Canada. Um, and it was available on Amazon for a period of time, and now actually. It's not out there anywhere except if you get a hold of me personally. So it's sort of kind of become a little bit of a rare, uh, a rare book. Um, I mean, Jerome and I, we actually have two other books that we've planned to do together that are almost kind of sequels to The Dentist and the Tooth Fairy. Um, like they're not sequels in like the traditional way where the characters kind of, you know, um, re- you know, repeat themselves throughout, you know, the other books, but, but they are kind of tied together. Um, so, so we've kind so we do have those books planned and we've always talked about, you know, how do we get the Dennis and the Tooth Fairy back out there? Because right now, like I said, like if you wanted to buy the book, you'd have to just send me a personal email and we'd have to arrange something. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> again, you know, we, kind, we sold out of the books that were in the art, you know, in the galleries. Um, and then at one point, I just took it off of Amazon, and I don't remember exactly the details of that, but it was just, it was something about the program that Amazon had at the time that it wasn't really working for me, and I, anyway, um, so yeah, so if you're interested in checking that out, just send me an email to hannah at theadventuresofhannah.com, and, and, and I'll, I'll arrange something for you. I I I will probably do that. Another another book series uh, you've you, you've done um, is um, let's see, uh, Sets Life um, and you know and and the Adventures of Hannah or something. Uh, yeah, Sex Life and Hannah. That's my uh, chick lit series. I don't know if you're familiar with the genre chick lit. It's kind of like Bridget Jones's Diary. Um, yeah, that book. That book series, um, I started writing, well, I started publishing that book series in 2007, and I'm like three books in, um, and I've got one more book to write um, in that series, which I probably will have the time to do that next year. Um, but that's sort of like, kind of like romantic comedy. <laughs> uh-huh. 
with a little bit more of an edge, you know, like I got a lot of reviewers that are like, whoa, this was like almost, you know, TMI, too much information. <laughs> yeah, so um, but, you know, I think I think it's fun. It, it was, it's been a lot of fun writing that series I, and I get a lot of pretty good feedback. So, so it's probably the sort of thing that my uh, girlfriend would uh, insist that I went to see with her at the movies. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. And actually, it's interesting because you're out in the UK, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm in Manchester. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting because for some reason I'm not really sure what's going on, but like there's been a wave of like sales uh, from the UK that I've noticed on Amazon for that book series in like the last month, and I have no idea where it's coming from. Like, <laughs> I'm like, why is it suddenly people in the UK are like reading Sex Life and Hannah? I have no idea what you know, because I haven't been like you know really promoting it, um, you know, in any different capacity than I normally do. But but yeah, suddenly over the last month, it's like there's been this big spike in sales in the UK. So something's going on. <laughs> Well, you know, Christmas is round the corner and uh, us guys are struggling to find something to buy our girlfriends. Well, there you go. Well, that. And, and that book series is available on Amazon and you can get that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it, it, is, 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 is that actually a, a novel or is it is, is that like a, a graphic novel? No, it's three. You know, I did publish the very first book in that series, um, you know, each book is like a season in the year, right? So we so we've got winter season, uh, spring season, summer season, and the winter season, which was the first book that I put out, I did do initially like a special edition graphic novel, which kind of looks like like a fashion magazine, and you know, look. You know, as an artist, writer, you know, you get all sorts of ideas in your head and, you know, and I and I wanted to try that. I thought it was kind of a cool idea. I mean, I've kind of backed away from graphic novels at this point, but, um, but yeah, there is, again, that's not available on Amazon. You'd have to contact me directly. <laughs> um, but yeah, there is a, a kind of a limited edition, now pretty rare, um, graphic novel version of the first book in that series. <laughs> well, you know, it's it sounds like um, it's it's definitely the sort of thing that uh, that that my sister would probably go for because uh, I got a bit even I even I enjoyed the, uh, the the first Bridget Jones film. Yeah, um, yeah. I've never read the books <laughs> um, because I I prefer you know high tech thrillers. Right. Um, and, and stuff like that, but you know, I'm 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 not I'm not averse to go and see a, a romantic comedy. In fact, I prefer yeah. romantic comedies to romantic dramas, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I I think I mean there's still I, I think there's still a big market for that for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, especially you know, chiclet. I think that that genre of books is is pretty strong still. Um, I think people. I think there's still people out there that obviously that enjoy sort of that candid conversation about sex and relationships and you know and all the drama that ensues as a result. Mm-hmm. Have you um, given any thought, you know, now that you've um, so like uh, you know got got your first produce credits under under your hat with uh, House of Bad? Have you given any thought to maybe? Um, doing uh, movies of of either either uh, either of these books you've done, or, or maybe even web series. Well, of course, um, I think that would be 
that would be you know interesting and interesting you know thing to do. I mean, you know, look here's the thing with the dentist and the tooth fairy. That would, I think, cost a lot of money. I mean, that's like a fantasy, you know, it's a it's a fantasy story, right? Mm-hmm. So the costumes themselves would be like, you know, unimaginable. Uh, the settings would be, I mean, that would be a really expensive thing to produce. Um, and and the only way I would do it is, you know, if probably if some kind of bigger studio got involved. I mean, I could. I, I don't see myself being able to ever fund something like that. But certainly, Sex Life and Hannah, um, you know, I think you could do something like that, you know, on a lower budget, you know, because it's, you know, I mean, romantic comedies. I mean, there's nothing, you, you know, there's no fancy filmmaking that goes into that kind of thing, right? You, you know, you get some good actors together that have a good dynamic, and you know, some magic happens, and uh, and I think you've got a good romantic comedy. Um, in in an ideal world, and and uh, say if you had the budget and you had um, a production of it um, in mind already, um, who 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 would you like to see play play the role of Hannah? Would you rather go with an unknown, or or if you um, had a choice of any of the big name, you know? You know, female performers out there at the moment. Is is there anyone that you could sort of like uh, visually see playing Hannah? You know, I wrote a blog post a few years ago about this, and at the time, I was really obsessed with Kira Knightley, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, you know, she just has that look, and um, you know, I, and I'd seen her at the time, like in a few different roles, and I thought, you know, I just feel like she'd pull off, you know. A character like Hannah really well, um, you know, where there's a little bit of innocence, but not so innocent, um, and and just so yeah. So and then it was funny because I wrote that blog post, and a friend of mine in the UK saw it, and he's like, you know, here at Nightly, you know, it's just like a few lives like a few doors down from me, so you know. I'm gonna like deliver this blog post as a letter to her and see what happens. And I'm like, hey, that's awesome. And then of course nothing happened, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, you know, I was kind of so I was kind of entertaining that a few years ago. Now, I, I mean, I have no idea. Um, you know, yeah, I have no idea. I think um, you know, based on my experience with House of Bad, I think there's a lot of great actors out there that don't have big names that obviously know how to act. Um, and you know, and and again, so it just comes down to budget, right? It just comes down to budget. Um, I think I think if you have a bigger budget and you get a bigger name that's excited and interested, it's helpful, obviously, from a from a you know from an investment perspective. But but I think there's just as many you know great actors actors out there that don't have names that that would do probably a fantastic job as well. And uh, finally, uh, my my last question really um, is: um, Is there anything else you you have in the works that you can actually uh, talk about? Yeah, um, I'm adapting my husband's script called The Need into a book right now. Uh, that's been really interesting. It's been an interesting process. Um, it's also a genre I've never written in. Um, it's an erotic thriller, so it's it's sort of along those lines of basic instinct, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, definitely with more kind of you know horror elements than basic instinct had. 
Um, yeah, so, you know, basically at this point I'm trying to find the time to get on with the third draft of that and um, hopefully get it out there like February, March of 2014 um, as a book and, and then see, you know, see what kind of reaction, you know, we get from people, see what kind of a fan base we can get going around it and maybe that's the next movie that we produce. Cool. Well, um, I'd like to uh, thank, thank you for your time. It's been really nice uh, speaking to you and learning a little bit more about uh, House of Bad. Thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Oh, and scared, and I'm not far behind you. Please take us the rest of the way. Vision stories that were happening where no one had gone before, discovering and exploring other worlds far, far away. While many of these series and films became cult classics, somewhere along the way, this genre got lost. Imagine if there was a place where you could go watch exciting new space opera series made specifically for the niche audience that you are. Imagine if this place was conducted by a team as passionate as you about science fiction and who would use all their background experience to make sure you get the best entertainment possible. SOS is a not-for-profit independent production facility that brings together writers, special effects wizards, and other creative talent from around the world who've worked on some of the most recognizable and respected science fiction franchises. So throw away your remote control and get real control by joining the Space Opera Society right now. With as little as $1, you can change the future of entertainment today. For more information, please visit our website. Which is, of course, spaceoperasociety.com. Where all your questions will be answered in our frequently asked questions page. And don't miss our short video presentation from some of our space opera series in development. And a step off the limit. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Radioactive robot lizard, but with horn rimmed glasses and a pocket protector. <laughs> That's nerdy. We're on the rampage, laying waste to the geek landscape. We'll talk movies, TV, comics, toys, video games. And sometimes we talk turkey. Don't you mean chicken? <laughs> That's right. So check us out at megapodzilla.com. We're also available on iTunes and the Zoom Marketplace. Aw, yeah. Here at SFP Now, I think we're pretty sure we um, got our priorities straight.
that about wraps things up for uh, this episode of SFP now. Uh, we'll be back next week with um, with our Christmas episode, which we'll be talking about Christmas movies, TV specials, um, and you know, generally pop and co- pop culture stuff surrounding uh, the very themic topic of Christmas. <laughs> and um, obviously, Jean uh, Retainment has a has a few more episodes to go. And on the twenty seventh, we'll be running um, our year in review show, where we'll be looking back at some of the highlights of uh, of twenty thirteen in regards to TV shows and uh, and movies and and possibly web series. So you know, we although we're taking a bit of a break for Christmas, we're still going to be sort of running a few shows out there. Um, that'll be worth you keeping an eye out for um, if you get a little bit bored of the holiday, you know, of the holidays and start to miss us. Um, Anyway, I'd like to thank everyone for the support um, over 2013 and um, hopefully you'll stay with us through 2014. Um, this is your host, Ian Pullen, signing off for now. Bye. We offer the world order. <laughs>